I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Hi everyone, Chris here. Welcome back to the Inklings Variety Hour. Well, C.S. Lewis's feast day has come upon me once again, mostly unawares. I feel a bit like Schroeder from Peanuts, forgetting Beethoven's birthday. With my grades freshly in, projects and trips on the near horizon and with relatives on their way home, I've decided to use a bit of my morning to make a recording of a few of Lewis's poems, assuming that my co-hosts won't mind. I have every intention, by the way, of starting up this podcast again and of finishing up the discussion of Till We Have Faces soon. Um, It has been a very busy semester for all of us on the Inklings Variety Hour. If anyone out there listening would like to join me or us for an episode or two, or if you have any ideas, um, please do email us uh, to the email listed on the show notes. Anyway, today I'd like to read a few poems by Lewis and make a comment or two about them. First up, we have Our Daily Bread. We need no barbarous words, nor solemn spell, to raise the unknown. It lies before our feet. There have been men who sank down into hell in some suburban street. And some there are that in their daily walks have met archangels, fresh from sight of God, or watched how in their beans and cabbage stalks long files of fairy trod. Often me too, the living voices call, in many a vulgar and habitual place. I catch a sight of lands beyond the wall. I see a strange God's face. And some day, this work will work upon me so, I shall arise and leave both friends and home, and over many lands a pilgrim go, through alien woods and foam, seeking the last steep edges of the earth, whence I may leap into that gulf of light, wherein before my narrowing self had birth, part of me lived aright. I'm not sure when this poem was written, but I love it. I'm not a Yeats scholar, but I think I can see the influence of Yeats here, especially in the part about long files of fairy treading in the beans and cabbage stalks. Um, I've no idea if this is written after or before Lewis's conversion, I, I suspect after as the beginning about how people have sunk down onto hell into hell on some suburban street is very Williams, but it highlights Lewis's paganness, which is of course transformed, but never destroyed by his Christianity. The next poem should further highlight this. Cliché came out of its cage. You said, the world is going back to paganism. Oh, bright vision. I saw our dynasty in the bar of the house spill from their tumblers a libation to the Irinies and leave us with Lord Russell, wreathed in flowers, heralded with flutes, leading white bulls to the cathedral of the solemn muses, to pay where due the glory of their latest theorem. Hestia's fire in every flat, rekindled, burned before the larder gods, Unmarried daughters with obedient hands tended it by the hearth, the white-armed venerable mother, domum servabat, lanam faciabat, 
At the hour of sacrifice, their brothers came, silent, corrected, grave before their elders. On their downy cheeks, easily the blush arose. It is the mark of freemen's children, as they trooped, gleaming with oil, demurely home from the palestra or the dance. Walk carefully. Do not wake the envy of the happy gods. Shun hubris. The middle of the road, the middle sort of men, are best. Iados surpasses gold. Reverence for the aged is wholesome as seasonable rain, and for a man to die defending the city in battle is a harmonious thing. Thus with magistral hand, the Puritans Sophrosune cooled and schooled and tempered our uneasy motions. Heathendom came again, the circumspection and the holy fears. You said it. Did you mean it? Oh, inordinate liar, stop. Or... Did you mean another kind of heathenry? Think then that under heaven roof, the little disk of the earth, fortified Midgard, lies encircled by the ravening worm. Over its icy bastions, faces of giant and troll look in, ready to invade it. The wolf admittedly is bound, but the bond will break, the beast run free. The weary gods, scarred with old wounds, the one-eyed Odin, Tyr, who has lost a hand, will limp to their stations for the last defense. Make it your hope to be counted worthy on that day to stand beside them. For the end of man is to partake of their defeat and die his second final death in good company. The stupid, strong, unteachable monsters are certain to be victorious at last and every man of decent blood is on the losing side. Take as your model the tall women with yellow hair in plates who walked back into burning houses to die with men, or him who as the death spear entered into his vitals made critical comments on its workmanship and aim. Are these the pagans you spoke of? Know your betters and crouch, dogs. You have Vichy water in your veins, and worship the event your goddess history, whom your fathers called the Strumpet Fortune. I'm not sure I agree with everything Lewis says in this poem. Clearly, his idea of paganism is an idea of paganism, um, and probably not the reality. But he was able to look back into past ages um, and past mentalities um, and and worldviews and see what was good about them um, and admire them. He also corrects the assumption, made even today, that pre-Christian pagans had the same outlook as post-Christian moderns. Uh, The claim he's making is that the spirit of his time is actually far worse than paganism because it is stripped of reverence for anything but, well, the spirit of his time. He's writing in a time when, so it seems to me, people are on the whole far less cynical cynical about progress than they are now um, and are fully expecting to colonize the solar system because why the heck not uh, by the end of the 20th century. Which brings me to today's third poem, Science Fiction Cradle Song By and by, man will try to get out into the sky, sailing far beyond the air, from down and here to up and there. Stars and sky, sky and stars, make us feel the prison bars. Suppose it done. Now we ride, closed in steel, up there, outside, Through our portholes, see the vast heavenscape go rushing past. Shall we? All that meets the eye is sky and stars, stars and sky. Points of light with black between hang like a painted scene, motionless, no nearer there than on earth, everywhere, equidistant from our ship. Heaven has given us the slip.
Hush, be still. Outer space is a concept, not a place. Try no more. Where we are never can be sky or star. From prison, in a prison we fly. There's no way into the sky. So hopefully these poems aren't depressing anyone. Um, Luce's poetry does seem, on the whole, a little bit more melancholy um, than his fiction and his apologetic writing. Um, This one that I just read uh, makes me feel a bit worried for the people who are signing up to go to Mars and assuming they get there, essentially living out the remainder of their days in a kind of cell or in a never-ending plane ride. Um, I love the point of this poem, that within this life, we can't really attain joy by changing our spatial position. Um, Both he and Tolkien were interested in this idea, Um, and it's hard not to think that you can find joy somewhere out there, especially if you love travel and exploration. But Lewis knew, and I think knows, that the sorts of longings you try to fulfill through travel and through all kinds of worldly pursuits, not bad in themselves, can only be fulfilled when you yourself are changed, first by conversion and choice and suffering, and then by death. Um, And the last poem I'll read here, which is very short, takes up this idea. It's called Hear the Whole World. Hear the whole world, stars, water, air, and field and forest, as they were reflected in a single mind, like cast-off clothes, was left behind in ashes, yet with hopes that she, reborn from holy poverty in Lenten lands, hereafter may resume them on her Easter day. I figured that was an appropriate poem to read, um, given that today is Lewis's feast day um, and the day in which he died. Um, And I'll go ahead and just conclude with the collect of the day from the Book of Common Prayer commemorating um, C.S. Lewis. So, Almighty God, you gave your servant C.S. Lewis special gifts of grace to understand and teach the truth revealed in Christ Jesus. Grant that by this teaching we may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. encounter full of joy and scheduled on the decent plan with here an addict of Tolkien there a Charles Williams stand.